0: Morning everybody, welcome to Cottenham Baptist, uh, Kate and Simon are away again this weekend so we welcome Colin Bell, our good friend who's been a few times before. Thank you for your welcome, oh that's quite loud, um, it's good, good to be back again and good to see you all and I hope nobody was here an hour early, I've done that once when preaching I turned up at a church an hour early and wondered why on, on, this, on this Sunday, wondered why nobody was there, but we're, we're here today at the right time. Um, so, I'm going to start by reading a few well-known verses at the beginning of John, which is where we've, I understand we've been preaching through for the last few weeks, and we'll read it again today. So, I'm going to read the first four verses of John, and then verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning, through him all things were made, without him Nothing was made that has been made. In him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. Um, And if I need to remind you, that's Jesus Christ. That's God's only Son. That's who we're here to worship. Um, So we're going to start by singing two songs, uh, which is with a short break between the two. We're going to start by singing, Come, now is the time to worship, which is a very appropriate um, opening song. Um, and then we're going to start thinking about what it means um, to walk with God. Uh, we'll sing the well-known hymn, When We Walk With The Lord. Jesus, We want to trust and obey him, but it's not always easy. Hang on, I haven't put the microphone on. That should be better. Um, And actually, that's the theme of the entire service. We've got a complicated passage to look at later. Um, But with the children, there's something complicated happening tomorrow. So what's tomorrow? Go for it. Halloween. Now, I don't don't know what you think about Halloween. I think different people think different things. Some people really love it. Some people are rather scared of it. Um, And Halloween is complicated for... Um, For two reasons. I mean, partly, it's it's originally a Christian festival. Halloween is a corruption of the the old phrase, All Hallows Even, or or possibly All Saints' Eve. Um, It's part of a two-day festival when we look back at the church and those who've gone gone forward. So we have All Saints' Day when we think about the church in the past, and we have All Saints' Eve, which is really about remembering those in our church or in our families who we've lost in the last year. Um, but it's also something else. It's, it, there's a um, various pagan festivals, one called Samhain. Um, it's sort of an end-of-summer festival, beginning of winter. Um, it's a time when the spirits walk the land. Um, it's a time when the boundaries between the real and the spiritual realm are, are quite narrow. Um, and this is where we get some of our, so particularly the US-based traditions, things like trick-and-treat, watching horror films pumpkins, but even apple bobbing comes from this sort of tradition. Um, You're either trying to attract the spirits or keep them away. So it's quite complicated how we actually trust and obey God in this. Um, Actually, it's a bit like other Christian festivals. Um, Christmas is often more about eating and drinking giving presents than about the birth of Jesus. And Easter becomes a spring festival when we have chocolate and don't always remember that Jesus died on the cross for us. So it's... it's, um, it's a bit complicated, and for our children, I think it's complicated. You want to, you want to take part in it, um, but we do have to be a bit careful, um, because there's there's good spirits and there's bad spirits. Um, but what I'd like to remind us of today, um, and this comes from the words of Veggie Tales. Do, you, do people still watch Veggie Tales? Some people do. Um, well, I saw this. I was waiting for Wendy. We we're going to Notting yesterday, and this was on the TV while I was waiting for to get ready. Um, And they have this song, it says, God is bigger than the boogeyman, he is bigger than Godzilla or the monsters on TV, oh God is bigger than the boogeyman and he's watching out for you and me. And that's what I want to leave you with really. Um, Whatever is going on in Halloween, God made everything, God made these evil spirits, Um, God has control over them ultimately and if we follow him, he will protect us. Um, So go and have fun but be careful and God is with us. Now, I don't think we have the music for that. I'm not sure it works as a congregational song, um, which is a bit sad. Um, so we're going to sing a different song instead. We'll sing Strength Will Rise. Um, Strength Will Rise as a wait on the Lord. And this is again a song about God's power and how God's power uh, comes to us if we, if we follow him and we pray to him. So if you'd like to stand again, we'll sing Strength Will Rise. So this morning we're going to be looking at the next section of John chapter 4. We'll be reading from verses 43 to 54. Um, So I'll give you time to find that Bible if you've got one. So starting at John 4:43, After the two days, he left for Galilee. Now Jesus himself had pointed out, that a prophet has no honour in his own country. When he arrived in Galilee, the Galileans welcomed him. They had seen all that he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover festival, for they also had been there. Once more he visited Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official, whose son lay ill at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Unless you people see signs and wonders, Jesus told him, you will never believe. The royal official said, sir, come down before my child dies. Go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. While he was still on the way, his servants met him with the news that his boy was living. When he inquired as to the time when his son got better, they said to him, Yesterday, at one in the afternoon, the fever left him. Then the father realized that this was the exact time at which Jesus said to him, Your son will live. So he and his whole household believed. This was the second sign Jesus performed after coming from Judea to Galilee. Father God, thank you for your word, um, and I, I pray that through, through what I say and th- through your insight through the Holy Spirit, you will bless us and show us something new of you today. Amen. So this is slightly naughty, but when I get invited to come, come and preach and I'm giving a passage, I sometimes wonder why that passage has been chosen. Um, And particularly when there's a series involved, and you get the passage which looks quite difficult, you wonder, has the minister of that church come up with this series? And then thought, hmm, that seems a difficult one, I'll take that week off and let somebody else deal with it. Um, So in the past, I've I've had Revelation 13 with the number of the beast, I've ended up with the Hebrews passage which talks about people who fall away never coming back to faith and one or two others. And this, again, is a slightly difficult passage for various reasons. Um, But as I've looked through it, um, I've I've worked out it's perhaps difficult because it's complicated and reflects real life. Um, It's one that the commentators tend not to say very much about Because there isn't so much definite information. Last week, I understand you had the woman at the well, which is a much longer passage, and there's plenty of meat. Um, This one, um, John seems to have abbreviated things, it's quite vague. Um, So we have to infer a bit of the story. Um, But then real life's like that sometimes, we'll find out. We don't quite know what's going on either. So perhaps it's useful that it's here. And certainly it's one that John thinks is important. Um, He has six signs in the early part of his gospel which says point to Jesus as the Messiah, and this is the second one of them. So he thinks this story is important. Um, so that sets the sets scene from where we are. So what's going on in this passage? On the surface, it's actually very simple. Somebody comes to Jesus with a need. They exchange words. Jesus sorts out the problem. All go away happy, and somebody comes to faith. And there's quite a few of these stories in the Gospels of various forms. Um, this one isn 't one of the better known ones, I think, and you might wonder why perhaps it 's not as impressive as some of the others um, you 're not raising somebody from the dead uh, dealing with paralysis it 's a boy with a fever, which isn 't perhaps far for such a big thing. Um, there aren 't so many details given, and there isn 't the a sort of pithy quote from Jesus we can remember. Um, but there are some complications. Um, And the main one seems to be, what is John doing, um, or what is Jesus doing, with this comment about signs? And is the royal official being commended for his behaviour, criticised, or something in between? Um, And people who write in this passage don't agree on this at all. So let's go through the exchange and just try and unpack just how odd it is. Um, So Jesus is in Cana, which is up in the hills near near the Sea of Galilee. Capernaum is in the valley actually on the sea about 15 miles away Um, so Jesus um, did his first move up here he turned water into wine he's then been south he met met the woman at the well and he's come back north again so that's the the scenario Um, the royal official was probably um, at the the court of Herod Antipas who was one of the four kings who ruled over Israel at this time Um, we don't know so much about him he's one of the Herods who are generally fairly nasty people um, this one doesn't seem to have been so bad as the others, um, but none of the heralds were very friendly to Jesus or the, um, or the Jews. So the royal official, he's sort of a sort of bit of a villain in the piece to start with. Um, but the official is desperate. His son is ill. His son is almost dying. So he turns up to see Jesus and says, I want you to heal my son. Now, Jesus' response seems a bit harsh. Um, He says, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will never believe. Um, So it's a bit harsh. It doesn't seem to be quite in context either. Um, So there's there's different ways you can interpret it. One, the the positive reading, um, is that that John wants to show that this official has faith, and he he wants to do things for the right right reason, whereas all the other people just want signs. Um, Alternatively the official is sort of wanting to test Jesus as well he's saying okay my son is ill can this miracle worker save my son so, or, or it's perhaps something in between we know that we know the guy's quite desperate so it might be one or the other um and then we then we move into verse 49 we have a sort of another change of mood the official has been begging Jesus but in verse 49 he gives what's really a direct order um, he's an official, he's used to giving these orders. He says, sir, come down before my, my child dies. And that's as strong in the original as, as is here. He's basically saying, Jesus, do this. I'm telling you to do this. Um, and Jesus responds in kind. He says, go, your son will live. So he's giving an order back, back again. Um, so the official now has a big problem. Um, does he give up and say, and say, this healer isn't coming, let's give up on him, I'll go home? Um, or he can trust Jesus, despite this ridiculous claim that he can heal at a distance. And again, there's a cultural thing here. That, um, the people who have understood, okay, healers can come along and do something and heal people. You can't heal people from 15 miles away. And you certainly can't say this person is healed without seeing them. Jesus is saying something absolutely ridiculous. Um, so the official seemingly believes Jesus, goes home, the whole family is the, the body's healed, the whole family is believed. But it's not even that, not even that's going on. Um, it's 15 miles away. Um, you can get there quite happily in an afternoon, but he doesn't do that. Um, Jesus talks to him at 1 pm. He can get home before dark. Does he rush home to his sick son? No. Um, he, doesn't, he doesn't leave until the following morning because he meets his servants on the way coming back. Um, so, really, what is going on here? Um, and it seems that John is posing questions and not giving answers and I think the questions he's asking are what causes people to have faith and follow Jesus and also what value do signs and wonders have both in us coming to faith and in our faith thereafter Um, and he doesn't give a clear answer to either question either here or anywhere else so um, don't expect any answers I'm just going to explain why it's difficult uh, and how we can think about it and actually, one thing you pick up when talking to people about their faith is there isn't one clear path anywhere. Um, you can go to baptisms and you hear testimonies, and they're all different. Even for people who've all grown up in Christian families and come to, come to, could be to a youth camp and found Jesus that way, which is quite a common story, there's lots and lots of differences. Um, and that leaves aside people who come to faith by completely different routes. And also, things that help people in one person in their faith don't help another. Um, perhaps you've had experiences of saying, this is really helpful in my faith and getting a totally blank-eyed expression. So um, this, is what, this is what I do. Um, if I want to find God, what I will do is get on my bike, I will cycle right up past this church and I'll keep going until I get to someone like Witcham or even Wisbeach, and then cycle around the fens all day. And I find that really helpful, finding God, because there basically there's nothing out, there's no distraction out there at all. Well, it works for me, but I don't think it works for many other people, or at least that's the impression I get. Um, anybody who wants to join me, let me know. We can organize something. Um, but other people find, I don't know, particular books helpful, or pieces of music helpful, and I can see they're Christian, but they, but they, they leave me cold. Um, faith is a very personal thing, um, and I think particularly when it comes to the sort of tipping point that takes us from not believing to believing um, that can be very different from different people um, I mean it might be interesting to talk to people afterwards and, and talk about the, the exact point you came to faith and what sort of took you from one to the other um, and I bet that it would be completely different things in every case and it could be quite interesting but miracles surely they'll always help um, Actually, John is saying they don't. Um, and if you turn on to verse 12, uh, chapter 12, he writes the following. So this is 12, 37 to 43. And John writes, even, this is, even after Jesus performed so many signs in their presence, they still would not believe in him. This was to fulfill the word of Isaiah the prophet. Lord, who has believed our message, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? For this reason they could not believe, because as Isaiah says elsewhere, he has blinded their eyes and hardened their hearts, so that they can neither see with their eyes nor understand with their hearts nor turn, and I would heal them. Yet at the same time, many even among the leaders believed in him. But because of the Pharisees, they would not openly acknowledge their faith for him, for fear they were put out of the synagogue, for they loved human praise more than praise for God. Now, there's an awful lot going on in this sort this section. Um, but what it's saying is that we can see miracles, but it might be more convenient for us not to believe in them. It might, it might force us to challenge our, our power or our beliefs, and that's, that's difficult to do. We can often be blinded to what God is doing. Um, and I've personal experience of this as well. I was talking in the car to my wife on the way up about my younger brother who isn't a Christian. And last time we saw him, he said, um, "Well, if I if I could see if God acted in my life in the same way He's acted in Colin's life, then I believe. Um, But actually, that might not be true." And this is a story about my grandfather. It would have been his birthday today. Um, He died died a few years ago, Um, but rather fewer years than you might think. Um, When I was about sixteen, he was diagnosed with meningitis. Um, and he was in his late 70s at this point. Um, He went to hospital, and the doctors after a couple of days said, look, we're sorry, there's nothing we can do for him. You'll just have to prepare for the worst. Um, So this is what we started doing as a family. Uh, But some people from a a local church came in and prayed over him. And they prayed over him for a couple of days, and he got better. And after a week, he went home fully healed. Um, And then he lived... um, in pretty good health and died a few years ago at the age of 95. Now, both my grandfather and my grandmother um, started going to this church as a result of this, until the two failed to do so. Um, and I don't know where they were in faith beforehand, but talking to them before they died, um, I'm certain now with God that this made a real difference in their life. Um, but in our family's life, now I, I wasn't a Christian at this point; none of my family were. We saw this happen. Um, but it made no difference at all to how we saw God. Um, none of us, as far as I can see, took the slightest step towards God as a result of this, despite seeing this miraculous healing. Um, and even after, I became a Christian about three or four years later, and even then, I don't think I saw this particular event as particularly important in that. I mean, I, saw, and I, I observed it, but it wasn't until some years later I thought, actually, that really was significant. Um, so, miracles... Can be, can be very important to people, but they can be completely ignored. So we have to be aware of that. And John's saying something else about miracles as well. Um, what he seems to be saying is that the point of the miracles is not that people get healed. That That is a good thing, but they are actually signs pointing to, to Jesus being the Messiah. And that's Jesus the Messiah, not Jesus the Superman with healing powers. And this also speaks to our faith. Um, if your faith is based on just miracles and what God does to you, then you have a, often have a very fragile faith. Because if the miracles stop for a bit, um, you, dis- you, you sort of disappear off. And there, there are, unfortunately, there's plenty of stories like this as well, of people who, who experience miracles, gone to church, uh, but after, after a few months, it's sort of worn off and they disappear off again. Um, their, their faith doesn't get cemented. So if we think about and in these terms, then possibly the royal official is sort of a halfway house. Um, so he does respond to Jesus. He doesn't respond to Jesus immediately. One thing he could have done is after Jesus said your son is somebody better, he could have turned to Jesus right then. He doesn't do that. He doesn't wait until he's seen his son well. Um, but he does he does seem to do it on the basis of faith, and his family follow him as well. And that's probably a sort of fair real world example of how normal people react. Um, it would be quite difficult for him to meet Jesus the first time and just respond immediately. People, I mean, that's the ideal people don't do that. Um, but he has believed Jesus and gone away and seen the miracle. So it's a combination of seeing the miracle and his own faith which has brought him to faith. So hopefully, this helps us to deepen how we see our own faith. Um, that when we see the sort of amazing things Jesus has done, that helps us along the that helps us. That we, that we can see elements of the power of Jesus in various things happening in our lives. Um, but there's quite a lot of sort of grind in daily life as well, living with Jesus, reading our Bible and praying. Um, and our faith is based really on both. So that's really the, 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 the first, part of this, part, first part of the sermon. Um, the brief I was given was to look at how this deals with how we um, support others who are struggling. And when I first looked at the passage, I thought, surely there's not much to do about that. But thinking about that, I think there was, there was quite a lot to be said. Um, so I think we'd like to be like Jesus. That, that goes without saying. Um, probably, and if this isn't true, I'd like, to, I'd like to talk to you afterwards, we don't have Jesus' insight into how to solve problems. Or at least I don't. So we don't know why people want help and we can't instantly solve problems at a distance. But what can we do? And I think there's three principles we get out of this, which we'll go through. Uh, The first one is to show compassion, to see that there's real problems there and that we should try and support people. Um, The second is to be clear why we are helping. Um, And the third is to have sympathy for people's odd behaviour when they're struggling and don't have particular expectations of what happens. So let's go through those in turn. Um, So the first thing Jesus does do, I mean, for all the weird things he's saying, he does listen to the man, he recognises that the son needs healing, and he heals him. Um, So he's offering help, um, and he also seems to offer help in all other cases where we know he can. Um, There's there's no no occasion in in the Gospels um, when somebody comes to help and Jesus doesn't help them in some way. Um, And this is despite the, the possibly wrong motivation of the official, um, like I said, we don't know what motivated him coming. Um, the official might have seen as a miracle man must be wanting a miracle rather than faith. And Jesus doesn't risk giving a further wrong impression to the Galileans. After all, they're the ones who want the signs and wonders, and he gives them another one. Um, his priority is, is to heal the boy. Um, but actually, Jesus doesn't do all he could either. Jesus doesn't make the two-day journey to Capernaum and back. Um, where he had offer opportunities to teach heal other people uh, find more disciples etc and Jesus had his own priorities um, he was not just a miracle worker in one small area I mean had he wanted to he could have stayed in, within a few miles of, of Nazareth and spent his entire life healing people and sorting out their problems um, he had other things to do he was meant to be here to be teaching to train his disciples spend time with God in prayer And last but certainly not least, fulfill the prophecies and die on the cross for us. So likewise, we should be offering compassion um, and assistance, but basically to the extent of what we can do and bearing in mind other things we we should be doing. Um, And I think we we are aware of people um, who are sort of bottomless pits of need, who who seem to want assistance in everything um, and never satisfied We do need to be careful of people like that and their motivations. Um, Whether it's unrealistic expectations or just being lonely. Um, We should show compassion. Um, But there needs to be, in some cases, limits on our compassion so that we can show compassion for others. So the second point is be clear while we're helping. So we're all loving people, right? It's easy to rush in, give the help, head off and help the next person along the line. Um, but actually we have two aims the first is we want to see people helped or healed but we also want to see them come to faith or strengthened in faith and if you think about it these two aren't different things Um, think about Jesus' mission um, it's about opening the eyes of the blind and that's both the practically blind those who actually physically couldn't see and the spiritually blind um, those who couldn't see who he was or had the wrong idea about faith Um, or healing healing cripples, those who physically couldn't walk or those who spiritually couldn't walk. It's actually two sides of the same coin. And again, um, our modern society might not see it, but we we are are holistic people. Our spiritual nature helps our physical nature. Um, Lots of physical ailments have sort of spiritual or psychological components. So there's a need for healing people right across the spectrum. So how do we do this? And again, it's quite difficult because there's lots of different, lots of different people involved. Um, but the idea is that we want to open conversations that might lead to faith. Um, there's no recipe. If you look at Jesus, what Jesus did, he seems to have had the right words in every circumstance, but there's no pattern. So it's hard to learn from that. Um, and it's very easy to be heavy-handed as well as a bit hesitant. Um, so we need to be sort of discerning and know what the right thing, to pe- right thing is. Um, but we definitely want to know that we're helping people because of our love for Jesus and because we're Christians Um, and a couple of practical things on this Um, it's definitely worth asking people whether they appreciate prayer Um, and some people will just want prayer just want prayer for something some will say no but in my experience most people will appreciate as well as practical help prayer and then you can make the link to say actually you're getting my help and you're getting God's help through this. Um, but don't just say, I'll pray for you because pe- um, as a brush off, pe- people will see through that. You need to indicate that you genuinely are, are praying for them and want to help them practically. And the other thing to say is that if it's possible, then try and help in such a way that a relationship can develop. So you can go and help somebody and go off again, never see them again. Um, or you can develop a relationship with them. And it's through that that you, that you can see possible conversations developing, a relationship, and a faith developing. Um, again, you have to be slightly careful deciding how to do this. And it can be more time-consuming. But it can be ultimately more rewarding. Um, and there's, I've, there's, there's people in our church. Um, there's a lady who has been helping one of her neighbours who has various both mental, med, uh, mental and physical health problems for some time, um, going around looking after her, helping practically. Um, and this lady has now come to our church a few times um, and is, I think, on the verge of faith. But it's, it's taken a long time, uh, but seeing um, the lady's got joy in our church, seeing her what she's done over, sort of many, over two or three years and just seeing what a Christian can really be is a real witness. So if that's, if that's a possibility, that's a good thing to do. And the third one is about um, our expectations. Now, we get a lesson from this passage, but we know it from real life. People who are desperate often act in bizarre ways. Um, they're not at their best. They're desperate for help. They might not say, say or do what they might do if they were thinking about it rationally. Um, and they're perhaps not in need of an instant theology lesson. That's why you have to develop the relationship, so you can talk to them when things have calmed down a bit. Um, Jesus presumably knew what he was doing when he said, don't ask for signs, but we don't have that insight. Um, and we shouldn't expect anything in particular when we, that um, what we help deals with the issue either. Uh, we read through the Gospels and we find that the disciples couldn't always heal everybody. They couldn't cast out demons. Jesus himself, this is a comment about being a prophet. Uh, his prophet has no honour in his own country. We know that Jesus struggled to do miracles around Nazareth. Um, and there's elements of, of the faith of the receiver that seem to be important as well, although that's a very complicated issue. Uh, you don't need to have faith to be healed, but it seems to help. Um, but I'm not going to go into that massive issue. Again, you've probably, you could, for my life and my church experience, uh, we've seen some, some people who have been helped and supported for a long time. Nothing much has happened. We've seen quite a few things that, that veer on, on the maculus. And there seems to be no pattern either way. I'm sure you've had the same pattern. Um, that's another complicated one. Why does God sometimes act and sometimes not seem to act the way we'd like? Again, we can't talk about that. Uh, we're called to, to be there for these people. And to, to pray for them, support them, um, and be a channel for what God's doing, but not necessarily having expectations. And again, we shouldn't expect a response in terms of faith. Um, not everybody that Jesus helped turned to him. Um, we have occurrences, I think, with, um, where he healed 10 people, and one of them went back and praised him, and the other nine just disappeared off. So sometimes we will help people and they'll just wander off and say, that was nice, thank you. Uh, sometimes we'll see, that we'll see them come to faith and come to church. It seems to be no pattern. Uh, but that shouldn't stop us doing these kind of things. But at least if we've told people gently why we're trying to help, we've given them the, the opportunity to, do, to make those responses. So what have we really learned from, learned from this passage? I think the first one is that helping people is complicated. complicated. Um, this passage is—it's not really quite clear what's going on. Um, people, it, for people we help, we don't really know what's going on. People come to us and say, "We, we want—I'd um, like you to help me with this. Please, please support me in this. Please pray for me." It's often quite difficult to work out what's really going on under the surface, um, but we should help them, support them as best we can. And how should we do that? Well, we should show compassion as Jesus did. We should take them seriously and say, "This is something." which they think is important, so we should think it's important too. So we should help as much as we can, um, but be aware that we have other priorities as well. Um, we should be clear why we're helping, uh, like, like, Jesus, like Jesus did. Jesus gave, gave us a faith lesson or an example so that those he helped had the opportunity to believe in him, and we should do that too. Um, we should be clear that we're doing it as Christians and we should, we, should encourage, we, should pray, we should pray for them as well and pray for them to become Christians. Um, and we should, we should hope for good outcomes, but not expect it. Um, people have free will. God definitely has free will and acts in different ways. And we don't understand why God sometimes does and sometimes doesn't. Uh, but I do pray that if we keep having compassion on people and keep helping them, that we will see a lot of fruit Um, And we will see people coming to faith as a result of of what we've done as part of their faith journey. So, in response to this, I think we're going to um, I'm going to do is sing sing two songs. And the first we're going to sing is is Blessed be your name. Um, And this is really aimed aimed at the people, this is more aimed at the people who are who are struggling. Um, It talks about how God is there even in the difficult times. and that's, again, something we, we should be encouraging um, people, people who are Christians who are struggling to think, uh, that God is still there and God will help them. Um, and after that, we're going to, to pray responsively and then sing, sing another song. So if you're able, please stand and we'll sing Blessed Be Your Name. So we're going to close by singing the song Everyone Needs Compassion. Um, and this, again, links, this links us back again um, to the theme of linking practical needs with spiritual needs. It talks about our need both for practical help and also spiritual help. So if you're able, please stand up, This will be our last, last song this morning. These are one of the words from the book of Jude. To him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy, to the only God our Saviour be glory, majesty, power and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. So thank you for uh, coming this morning, and we will continue our fellowship with coffee next door, which Rob and uh, Iris have kindly made for us. Thank you.